Okay, good morning, everybody. Good luck. <clears throat> so, uh, start off with a Misa, very short Misa. I get a, I get contacted by one of the larger members of the Chevro who's listening to these Chaburas, not here, but in a different place. Somebody who I know who's, uh, who's, been, working, who's been working on the Sugi Vitachan in a very strong and in a very real way. And we've had many conversations. And he, he tells me, he happens to be, he works, he's some kind of doctor. And he told me that he was doing a procedure on somebody, I'm not sure if it was last week or two weeks ago. And it was uh, somewhat, not, not crazy serious, but it was what he was dealing with was serious utensils um, from the doctor's standpoint and, you know, the person's body. And he said that something you know, only Minashimayim happened, a, a piece, a very sharp object, um, detached from his, one of his utensils, and it ended up going inside of this person's body. Being very vague, just protect his, uh, but a very sharp metal piece went into this person's, into his, into his body. Baruch Hashem, the person is, is okay. But he was telling me that if not, that's what he thinks. If not for Sharbi Tochan, besides for the fact that he would have totally, as we say, freaked out, Bashas Maisa, afterwards he would have been ice mensch the whole day. How could this have happened? What's going to be? I'm going to lose my license. Now, if I lose my license, I'm going to lose my money. If I lose my money, then I can't pay for my his schedule like eight. I can't pay for my kids, you know, college education. You know, that whole world that we've discussed about will come crashing down on him and he'll become paralyzed. It could be for half a day, a day, two days. Imagine what he's going to be like with his wife and his kids. And he said, he was very calm. It wasn't his fault. I mean, he was trying to be, you know, if it's a person's fault, not that he should be, uh, he shouldn't go crazy, but it's a different story. But he said, from learning the Sefer and working on what the Chavos Vavos is saying, everything happens for a reason. Everything's a Tachos HaTov. Kaddish Baruch knows better. It's all going to be exactly the way he wants it. After chewing on it for over a year and he's downloading into a system he was able to step up to the situation in a level of hishtavus hishtavus means equanimity whether the procedure went 100% well or whether a sharp metal object went into this person's body not that we're trying to have that happen but he was able to stay you know equanim equanim I just made that up you know what I mean he's able to stay hishtavus I thought that was a uh, you know, we have to know that any time that we react, like, like Rav Schwartz was teaching us last week, any time a person acts a little bit more with Amuna, even if he would have been bothered for six hours instead of seven hours, or even if he would have been bothered for <clears throat> six hours and 59 minutes and not seven hours, that's also a win. That means you're going in the right direction. Last week was a, was a zchus. I don't know who was the, I'm not sure who exactly was here. But it was a schuss to hear of Schwartz, who, as I, I, was a little, I told you, I was a little bit nervous whether we were going to uh, be following his mahalach. And if anybody listened to his shmuz, I think it was it's exactly what we're teaching, just in his way. Everything is, a lot of things that I'm saying here comes from his, his way of thinking. And he spoke about one very, very important, one very, very important concept that is the tachlis of everything that we're teaching is when there's an isayin that goes down, what's the, he said, what's the muskal rishon? Right? And we've discussed this. What's the first thought that goes through a person's mind? Something bad. 
quote unquote bad happens, what's the first thought? Let me run around and, and get myself crazy? Or, Kaddish Baruch, this is coming from you. Where's the Ruach coming from? Is it going to be okay with you? Is it going to uproot you? Or is it just going to be another wind amongst the million winds that we, that we go through every single day, week, month, year? And they didn't, uh, eventually, when we, maybe when they type it up, there, his, his, his Talmudim will type it up. Maybe, we can, maybe we'll go through it. It's good idea. Maybe we'll go through it. <clears throat> it's actually going to come out. There's a safer. He's putting out a safer in Bitochen. Um It's coming out soon. Somebody from the shul sponsored the safer after hearing that shmuz. Sponsored the safer. Mitzvah Shem should come out. And, that, sh- and that, that which he said, spoke last Sunday is going to be, they put it in the back of the safer. They put it in the last thing to culminate the safer. What's the name of it? It's going to be called, uh, I don't know, Prize, prize da is bitchonecha, probably knowing him. Know your bitachon. So when it comes out, I'm sure we'll get some copies here and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. There was a. Yeah, I printed it out. Yeah, bitachon talks. Bitachon talks. We can get all those things and get more. That, that's on the website. Bitachon talks. It's, it's a whole series of different talks he had about bitachon. It's not as much as the safer is going to be, but I printed out a few copies and we can get more. <coughs> Maybe I will. I'll print out some more for everybody. Okay. So we, Bisiyad HaDashimai, we are in the Sugi Heshtadlis. We're working very slow in Heshtadlis. We're trying to understand what Heshtadlis is, how to go about this Heshtadlis thing. And last, and two weeks ago, at the end, we started discussing something very, very serious. And the question was, why, why do we need to do Heshtadlis? And as the Chavos broke down, and I'm, I'm going to stick with this and he said it. Everything from the spoon going into the cholent, right, picking up to your mouth, to going to work in the city or flying to Taiwan for business to make the money, to bring it back, to be able to go to the grocery store and buy the stuff, to then bring it home so your wife can make it, or if you make the cholent, great. And then to have it in your house and put it in your mouth. All of that, those are all many acts of Ishtadlis, all be a sowed, and at the root of the matter, they're all the same. They're all acts of Ishtadlis, human exertion that a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants a person to do. Some are more annoying, some are more complicated. Some take you to Taiwan versus just sitting in your house on Shabbos eating the bowl of Chalant. But be a sowed, they all are coming from the same Indian called Ishtadlis, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to do this act. He wants you to do the spoon. He wants you to go to the grocery store. He wants you to go to work. All the same thing. All the same thing be so. Now the question we had the last two weeks ago when we ran through it was, why? Why does he make us do this ishtadlis? Why not just provide it for us? Or there's different ways you could ask this question. What, what exactly is the kavana to have when we're doing ishtadlis? Because he started off, there are two reasons why the Creator deemed it in such a way. We'll just, let's just read it again in English. Straight, get our heads back into it, because I told you, we're going to read these two paragraphs. We're going to pause. We're going to try to clearly explain three mahalchim, three different ways, how to understand what he's saying. And then after that, we'll be able to continue moving on with the three Mahalachim, but we'll probably stick with more with one. <clears throat> so on page 83, let's just read again, just to remind ourselves. These are, these are of the biggest Yisodos in the entire Sefer for our daily living. 
There are two reasons on the bottom of 83. There are two reasons why the Creator deemed it in such a way that a person must make efforts to pursue and search for the means of his livelihood and other needs. Two reasons. Page 84. The first reason is that God in His wisdom decided to test the person as to whether he will choose to serve God or to rebel against Him. Therefore, he tested him in a manner through which the path he chose will be evident. So he's, te- he's testing us, and by our actions or reactions, it's going to see, are we choosing to serve him or are we choosing to rebel him? <coughs> Hashem did this by causing a person to be needy and lacking. We need air to breathe. We need food. We need clothing. We need money. We need all this stuff to live life. And he says he'll be needy, causing a person to be needy and lacking that which is outside of him, be it food, drink, clothing, shelter, or cohabitation. All of these things, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created. We only need because God deemed that we need. He could have created us without a need to have to drink. Maybe we just have to eat. Every single thing that we need is because he decided that we should need it. And then he instructed the person to pursue these things and obtain them, right? You you're hungry. He may, how do you know that you need food? Because you're hungry. If a person wouldn't eat, he would he would die. Kodesh Baruch doesn't want us to die. He wants us to live. So therefore, he made food and he made fruits and he made all this and then he made grocery stores to hold all the food, and he made ovens to cook and he made all this stuff. He then instructed the person to pursue these things and obtain them through means that he prepared for them, but only in specific manners and at specific times. This is a basic translation of the words of the Chavos of Avos. We should continue, but I think we'll pause here for a few minutes. Probably like the whole time. <clears throat> the, first, the first reason is to test us. The reason why we have to do Heshtadlis in life is to test us. It's not to make money. It's, not, it's to test us. Now, what's exactly the test? What, what is a Kaddish Baruch trying to bring out? So the most basic way that most, a person learns this, and I think I asked at the end of two weeks ago, I asked, what, is, what does he mean over here? What's the test? If, give me like I try to define it a little bit. What's the test? Right, if you had a piece of paper and it's, it's a math test, so it would be like one plus one. What's the, what's the actual test? Lamaisa. What does Kaddish Baruch want to see? What? At the end of the day, do you have to be talking to Hashem or be talking on yourself or the other means? So I think that's a little bit even deep. I don't even think that's the... the, the, the that's not the way that most people would learn this. You're right. You follow the way of the Torah. That's how people would learn Pashib Shah, because that's what they know. As they, as they write here in 85, look in the middle. We are instructed to pursue the means through which to obtain our livelihood and other needs. But at the same time, we were given the Torah which tells us that only some of those means are permitted. For example, when it comes to planting, there are prohibitions, such as forbidden mixtures of species and the like. When it comes to where we live, there are mitzvahs such as mezuzah and so on. When we go to work, there's geneva, there's halva, there's many, there's many mitzvahs, many losases. You keeping the Torah? What happens when the boss asks you about, uh, to say some Lashon Hara about your coworker? It'll benefit you, obviously, or you lose your job if you don't. Halacha Chalas. At the office. Do you follow Torah? You don't follow Torah. So that's, that's the most basic way. If a person would read this, a Pashadiyad, a moral Pashadiyad, and it's true, it's the Amis. <clears throat> what is the test? 
right? Do you serve God or you're going to rebel against? It means the Torah. Do you follow the Torah or you don't follow the Torah? Right? That makes, that's the most pashup shot. Masa, <clears throat> what do we get up to? We get up to Shemaim. They're going to ask us. Masa umatim be'emuna. Did you do business dealings the way that they learn a pashup shot is? Did you do it honestly? Did you keep the Torah when you were doing business? Masa umatim be'emuna. Did you, how did you, how was the, the Yonam of Tznias at the office? How was your, could be even your Midos? All these things are tests every day at work. Yes? Okay. That's level one. Definitely true. Now, level two, I think, is the way that this Sefer, that Kahas put out, a beautiful Sefer, on the bottom, the notes, where they're trying to, you know, invigorate and infuse the light of Hasidus, specifically the Chabad way, which of course it's a beautiful thing, they were learning this right before Yad Kislev. Um, they try to infuse the, the Hasidic view, again, specifically according to the way Chabad sees things, into these paragraphs of the Chabad I want to read it straight. Straight, I want to read it straight. We'll, we'll try to explain if you have any questions on the Hasidic nature of the comments. Ask. But this, this is the second, this is the way that a chassid learns the Chobos Lovavos. What's the test? <clears throat> Here we go. So on page 83, on the bottom right, oh, you could hear that, uh, I'm a horse, uh, all day. Okay, bottom 83. Why the Creator deemed it in such a way that a person must make efforts to pursue the means of, of his livelihood and other needs? Why? Okay, we're going to read Mamish straight. The question is, why should we bother working at all? This is the way they understood the Chobos question. He didn't ask a question. He gave an answer. So, <coughs> so if you're ever learning, you know, Atosos, and he's just telling you an answer, what was, or Rashi, what was he bothered by? So the way that they're learning the question is, why should we bother working at all? After all, since the blessing flows from God, it can come without human effort. Why do we have to do Hishtalas at all? Nonetheless, not only do we see that we need to work for sustenance, the Torah states in all that you do, clearly suggesting man's work and effort. The Torah says you should do work. Six days a week, work. Chasidus explains this by first analyzing contradictory statements regarding God's judgment of the world. In one place, the Talmud states, man's sustenance is determined between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But in another place in the Talmud, it states, man is judged every day. <clears throat> Happens when you see it's the same daf, 16a. One's in Peah, one's in Rosh That's for a different uh, explanation. This contradiction, page 84, so does he judge us every day, or does he judge us in between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur? This contradiction is settled based on the Kabbalistic explanation of creation. God is infinite and undefined. Ain sof, ain od. There's nothing else. He's infinite. And he created a defined physical world that we live in through a chain-like contraction of energy called the Seder Hishtalshalis. It flows down. It starts purely, purely spiritual. There's no physicality. The, the different worlds is different. The world of Atzilis and Bria, you may have heard these words from Rebbe or from Svarim. And is it, I think the word is concanated? Concandinated? Concandinated. Concandinated. See, there's a word. 
You all d- doubted me. How do you say it? Concatenated. That's what this means, right? It, it... Concatenated means put together. Oh, yeah? Concatenated, put Constructed. one. one. You'll see there's, there's another word. All right. I might be wrong, but I might be right. Anyway. What are you looking for? Seder is in a regular English word. We understand. There's a spiritual world, and as it flows down the mountain, it turns into a physical world that we live in. Through four sublime words, Atzilas, Bria, Yitzir, Asiya, as the divine energy passes through each of these worlds, all these worlds that God created, He sends light down. It loses some of its infinite qualities and takes on more finite qualities to the point that the energy can morph into material physical creation. The light of God, which was Einsof, which eventually flows through and turns into our neshamas, which you can't touch, see, necessarily, which then flows through and turns into malachim, which then flows through and turns into a physical table. All God's light. All different levels of His light. Every divine blessing begins with a divine flow of energy from its highest worlds, and then this energy must descend to this world and take on physical form. Yeah? From Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, God determines how much sustenance and blessing should be allocated to each person. The year's allocation is being decided between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and this is dispensed in the form of divine energy. Every day, this is the answer of the contradiction, every day there's another judgment on whether this energy should materialize into a physical blessing right, from your spiritual bank account that everybody was it's already set from Rosh Hashanah to Tim Kippur, is it going to turn into a material blessing, a physical blessing, or should remain a spiritual blessing that the person will enjoy in the world to come? Kodesh Baruch's decision. Furthermore, if it is determined to materialize, should it be in the form of children, health, or wealth, and other such considerations? So every year, once a year, there's the big general calculation of how much this person is going to receive over the year. And then each day, there's a decision of how much is going to drip into his life and in what form it's going to drip. Depending on whatever he needs, depending on his bitach, on his amun, his mitzvahs. <clears throat> With this in mind, we can now appreciate the need for human interaction. Hishtadlis. When we physically con- contribute, we are merely actualizing the spiritual energy into physical garb. When we act in this world, everything that we connect with is really a shefa, a bracha from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, whatever we touch. So our hishtadlis, our physical connection to these things is actualizing that spiritual energy that was decided today to come down from the big pool of spiritual energy and blessing that you will receive. <clears throat> That's our hishtadlis that we enter into this realm. This, this, this is how they're learning it. So that the blessing can be concrete. Okay. Now, we still really have a question. Why can't God just do that himself? Like, what, what did we add here? So we have to go right there. So God in his wisdom decided to test the person. Right? So this is established, but then why? To test us. The purpose of creation was to elevate the Jewish soul from its previous state before it descended into a body to a higher level of divine consciousness. Okay? We started as a neshama under the Kisei HaKavod. We're at level like 62 neshama. 
but we're sent into this world into a physical body to, that, to work in this world, to be tested, to prove ourselves, which can actually raise the level of neshama to a higher madrega, level 65, 68, 72, 100, and then after 120, you go back upstairs and you, you become elevated. We're not going to get into the world of Gilgulim and things like that, but Kodesh Baruch Hu has a cheshven. So the purpose of creation was to elevate the Jewish soul from its previous state before it descended into a body to a higher level of divine consciousness that can only be realized through overcoming the tests and challenges the soul will have in this physical world. It's counterintuitive. Okay. Yeah. A lot of emesis, yeah. You understand. I'm, I'm not arguing with the because you, you would think that souls coming from there right. ain't no higher. You know, you're a level 100. But the souls, yeah, yeah. So that's the Chiddush. Rabbi talks about this a lot. The big, the big, big sugin chasidus that we come down to a lower place, which is actually higher and can bring us to a higher place. Rabbi said yesterday by Shalashus, I don't know if you were there. The dust of the of the fight with Esav goes to the Kisei Kavod. The point is to make this physical world get back up there. Right. And the more a person really delves in, just. Parenthetically, a person delves into the world of Hasidus in a deep way, in a real way, deep and real, I'll define those privately, but in a deep and a real way, he can learn how to actualize this and not just speak about it. Now, in the Hasidic teachings, the purpose of creation is explained based on the teaching that God desired a dwelling place in the lowest worlds, a dira betachton. Everybody's heard that. Dira betachton i.e., God diminished his energy, he constricted himself, there was a tzimtzum, to the extent that he created a materialistic world where godliness is obscure, a world of darkness. The world is called olam, which means he'elam, which means he is hidden. There can be nothing in this world that is not made up of spiritual energy. It's not possible. Everything comes from the Ein Sof, yesh me'ayin, so if we would take the yesh of this world, me, you, this table, this cup of water, this phone, this safe, or anything in the world, and we would reverse engineer it all the way back to its most basic, basic roots, you get to ayin, to Kaddish Baruch But in this world, he's not clear. Because he, he hid himself in the deepest roots of everything, and there's levushim and clothing and garments upon garments upon every spiritual spark. Man was then instructed to introduce and reveal the presence of God in such a setting. We have to reveal God in this world. He's here. Through Amunar Bitachon and through a setting through the suppression of material desires and a Torah lifestyle. That doesn't mean becoming like a huge Polish, but it means separating from what the Goyim do. Living a Torah lifestyle, davening on time, you know, eating only kosher things. That's also a suppression. <clears throat> Thus, transforming the world into a divine palace, revealing godliness in everything, which is what Chabad does in a very explicit way. They're trying to spread godliness. In a few, in a few days, you're going to see menorahs on people's cars all over the place. They're trying to bring God into this world in any way they can, in the most expressive, right, ways possible. 
it is clearly a challenge to find God in the, wor- in the world reality, right, where he's hidden, where everyone and everything is self-centric. We can't get into this now, but the, the biggest, the biggest, I don't know how to speak English, obscurity, or the biggest cause of God's obscurity in this world is our ego. And we're not talking about a level of ego, like a rishis type of ego, like an ace of harasha ego. We're talking about a very natural, inborn ego that by being human being, you by definition have. And we have to work through that, through the sugis of Bittal, through the sugis of Anava. The less we think of ourselves, the more we will think of God and the better life will be. Yet, the soul must demonstrate that it is not only godly, while in a spiritual setting, up above by the Kisei HaKavod, it's easy for the Neshama to be bathing in the Ziv, and the light of God, but it remains committed to God and affects its body in the same vein, despite the harshness and struggles of this physical world. The Neshama has to prove himself. It's very nice on paper, you claim to be great at this, good at that, Put your money where your mouth is. Let's, let's see you do it. Got to do it. Got to prove it. The goal is that when the collective body of Jewish souls are able to achieve this revelation of God and lead the world to messianic times, the essence of God will be revealed and the soul and body will enjoy the highest levels of divine spiritual existence. Experience. A test. You need to bring it down now. A test has no inherent value. It is meant to exist merely as a test of man. If the person being tested passes the test, he has thus proved the total futility of the test's existence on its own right. The test is only there to help a person grow, but it itself is really, it's really nothing. We're just trying to reveal the Enon Milvado in this moment. Notwithstanding the futility in the testing times, <clears throat> the test arouses and accomplishes the greatest revelations of God in this world and the greatest revelations of human connectedness to God. When we get tested and we pass, when we prove ourselves, that's when God is revealed. When Yaakov Inu has to fight with the Sarshal Esav, guess what? He gets a new name called Yisrael. He proved himself. He brought God into this place, right? And revealed godliness. It's not a hidden world. To explain. Almost done. The divine task of revealing God in the physical world is also known as birur hanitzotzos, the refinement of divine sparks. When a Jew uses a physical object to serve God, any physical object that you use to serve God, the divine energy which is embodied in that object, every object, doesn't matter what, it's a computer at your office, it has to come from ruchnis. It has to come from a spiritual energy that... Say, Alpi State or Stalish was turned eventually into some computer. When a person uses that with the kavana that he's serving God, right, he, has to go, he has to make a parnasa. This is what Kodesh Baruch wants him to do to support this person so I could eat, so I could, whatever it might be. Its divine spark is elevated. Your computer is filled with divine sparks. When you use it with the proper kavana, if you'd be able to see with your eyes, you can't, but you could see with your mind and your heart that there's sparks of God flying out going back up to a Kodesh Baruch 
<coughs> because you're using the computer or anything you're using for the the tachlis of Shem Hashem, Avodas Hashem. It's getting sent up. It's like a carbon. What's a carbon? You take an animal, you burn it on the mizbeach, and somehow the smoke. It's physical, but the way we imagine it, the smoke goes up, and what? It's a reach nichoach l'ashem. Yes? So, any time we use a physical object in this world, l'shem Hashem, it's a carbon, and ki'ilu, the smoke, the sparks go up to Kodesh Baruch Hu, and he's a reach nichoach. That's what's happening. We have, to, we have to try to believe and to see it like that. <clears throat> so far, so good? Clear, no? I mean... There are some things that are not so clear because it's deepest chasidus. If you don't have never heard these words, it's a little bit complicated. But the general gist, I think, is they make it very, very nice, very clear. Now, Kabbalists teach that the higher and more potent the divine spark, the bigger the spark, the deeper it falls into obscurity and purity. In a spiritual sense, Esav was higher than Yaakov. In a deeply spiritual purely spiritual sense, Esav came from a higher place than Yaakov. He came from an olam called Olma Tohu, and Yaakov came from Olam Tikkun. Tohu was higher than Tikkun. Not for now. But, he came from a higher place. In essence, the Kabbalists are saying, now that doesn't mean he was a better person. It just means he came from a higher place. He didn't pass his tests. He didn't do well. Yaakov, of course, was the Bechir Shabavos. <clears throat> now, in essence... The Kabbalists are saying, for something so antithetical to the divine presence, to have divine energy, for something in this world to go, not just obscure God, but to go against him. Esav Arash is going against the Torah. He's doing horrible things. But at the end of the day, he's also made of, of divine energy also. He can't not be. There's no existence without divine energy. So in essence, the Kabbalists are saying, for something so antithetical to the divine presence, to have divine energy demands a potency that allows the energy to descend so far down and still maintain, maintain its original spark. So to have a ace of a Russia be in existence, the spark within him actually has to be bigger and larger and come from a higher place to, than Yaakov to be able to still give him enough energy that he can be in existence. Now, that doesn't mean we bow down to Esau and we say, oh, look at the tzaddikul. No, that's not what we're saying. He didn't actualize himself like he should have. And the potential, he was massive. Yitzchak loved that potential, wanted to bring it out of him. But it didn't go. He's a Russia, he's going to get, there's going to be a din in Cheshben, and the Kaddish Baruch is going to do what he has to do with him. Is that, that spark started bigger? Or it still ended up like when it gets when it gets down into the into the world, right? The resulting spark that's left is what's left still bigger, or is it the potential where it started was bigger? It's the same spark, but because it's so big, it fell so so. It was covered by so much stuff. It's much harder to reveal. He didn't. He couldn't reveal it. It was it was, it was too much. It's, its original qual- quantity of quality. Oh. I don't think it. I don't think it can. It's not possible. What what could you do in this world to 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 tom, the tom, tom, tom that? Yeah, he just added more and more coverings. Thus, when the divine energy encloses itself in material matter in Gashmias, which is a concealment of God, 
as God is not readily recognizable in a physical object, you don't see God in the stuff unless you have a moon of Bitochem, the energy becomes refined when the object is utilized for holy purposes. So there's godliness in everything. When we use the stuff in life, and it could also be our brain, it could be our heart, it could be our hand, it could be anything. Whatever we use in this world, it could be an event that happens in the world. When we use it to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu, holy purposes, whatever it may be, you have now refined, you've removed the covering on that divine spark. And you allow the spark out, you've, mission accomplished. You did your Avodah Hashem. But then he says on page 85 at the bottom, they bring down that there's a lower migration of divine energy to a state which does not merely conceal the divine presence. Stam Gashmias conceals God. Just conceals him, and our vote is to go into it and try to reveal it. But there's a lower level where the sparks fall very deep, like an ace of a Russia, but it's completely antithetical to God. Tarfus. Right? A piece of a piece of elephant meat. It's not kosher. It can never be kosher. An animal, a cow gets shot in the head. You can never, ever eat that meat. No tikkun can make you eat that meat. So it's, it's, in a certain way, it's antithetical to God. But at the same time, it has to be from a spark of God. It has to be from a divine energy. It is a state of being which is meant to express the opposite of the divine consciousness and will. This is the test by God. This is how they're learning when the Chovah Zavava says that in Ishtadlis, it's to test us. It's specifically when you're going against things in this world that are against God. He explains. When a person experiences a situation where godliness is totally obscured, e.g. E- or i.e., health or financial issues, which looks very, very, very bad, and yet does not let his faith in God waver, and acknowledges that this situation is merely a test that needs to pass, pass, he is then refining and elevating a loftier spark of God that descended so low to the extent that it allows God's presence to be challenged. The cup of water is not challenging God's presence. It's concealing it. And we have to say a bracha, and we have to realize that this, is, this comes from a spiritual place. It comes from a Kaddish Baruch. But when a person has a challenge in this world, when there's rishis in this world, when, there is, when the health of a person is going bad, that seems to be, seems to be, the way that it's, antith- it's going against. It's not just obscuring God. It's going against. God is good. Hashem is good. So if a person's regular, healthy, and to say, Kodesh Baruch Hu, the health is from you, thank you for giving me the stuff, the food to be able to eat and to exercise, so we try to bring God into our exercise routine, that's level one. But when a person has to, mom has to go to the hospital, or he's sick, and it seems like God's removed himself from this person, it's antithetical to God, that's a major test that a person then has to inject faith. Emunah and bitachem. That's what they're saying. Second paragraph, he describes the difference between Russian and Kippur when Hashem just determines overall and then on a daily basis to judge individually. So he describes the daily judgment that it either turns into a physical blessing or a spiritual blessing, which you're going to realize in, in all novels. I mean, it seems like which one of those is, 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 is the ideal? I mean, it seems like 
seems like the second choice is not bad either. What do you mean? Every day there's a judgment on whether this energy should materialize into physical blessing or should remain in a spiritual blessing the person will join the world to come? Yeah. So what? what, is, what, so what it's either physical blessing. This is the way they're bringing it. This is the way they're bringing it. If you receive that, yeah. a physical blessing, is that at the expense of a spiritual blessing in Olam Haba? Is it at the expense of your Olam Haba? Yeah. Well, it could be that. That's the question? Yeah, it seems like, it seems like it's physical so blessing, that's a good thing. And then if it's a spiritual blessing for Olam Haba, that's, that, that's the alternative, which is not a good thing. Are you saying that maybe it manifests? No. You're asking where in that, in those lines, where's any, like, bad coming? That's, it seems that, like you're being I, withheld from anything, right? You're going to get something. The shayla is, what are you getting? Are you getting it in physical, in physicality? Or are you getting it in ruchnis? But in mashma from the words, the ruchnis is secondary. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, like so, oh, so you're not asking a question based on what we were... Ju- you're asking a question from just earlier. You could have asked that question earlier. He tried. You're not calling it. Okay, I didn't see. No, I, I thought he was going to answer it in the... In the oh, okay, fine. Right, so I <laughs> it, it also seems like you're not losing out. It seems like you're, it seems like you're not... Right, you can't it's, 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 it's win win. There's no loss. There's no that. You're going to get it no matter what. You're going to win win, but we should not choose A so that we should get more of B. Right. Maybe, maybe the physical, if, if, this, if the blessing comes in a, in a physical way, maybe that can help you raise yourself to a high level of, spirit, of, of Gan Eden. If you just get it straight to Gan Eden, so it's level 30. But if you bring the spiritual blessing down here, and you get money, and, you, and now you're tested, you're tested with this whole thing of the money, and then your neshama overpowers the gulf and uses it for good reasons, and it works, that can get you a higher world to come. Level 35. The, the right, that, that answers that question, no? no. I, mean, I, I can't, also, I can't vada answer all these questions because this is coming from a safer mamarim, which I... Over there. Yeah. No, we don't have it. Yeah, we, it's in English. Oh, yeah, it's based on this one? Yeah. Uh, so I never looked at it inside, I never learned it up, and it's also based on a whole world of Chabad. I'm, this is really what I have. I can answer what I can answer. You could ask, but I, I'm definitely limited in answering exactly how they would. We'd have to go ask... You know, Chabad Chassid, who's in their Baruch Hashem, we have some who can answer these questions, but I could try. I mean, the, the spiritual blessing could be in the form of a Nisayan, like in the right? Like, it, that's the way, like, that's the way in this Chabad where we would say it. I don't know how they would say it. Right. I, that's how I would answer the question. Is we don't know what's really the blessing. The blessing might come in disguise, and then when you reveal the disguise, it's actually much bigger. Right. But I don't know. Their worldview is a little bit different. And I want to just stay clear of what they're saying. I'm, I try to be clear and what we're eventually going to say. You're saying the, the physical blessing could come down in a way that actually could raise the Nishama you know, more, but that could be bring you to a state which is higher than receiving that same straight. blessing in Olam Haba. Straight. Straight in Olam Haba. Right. Straight in Olam Haba. Yeah, 100%. Why not? That's exactly what yeah. the Nishama is coming down here to do. Yeah, right. It's just, down here to actually raise it even higher. It's the same thing. But it also seems like that if you if you fail the test of, of that and that blessing that that doesn't come down when it was supposed to. It could be you squandered that. Right. But it's, it stays in one, so in a certain way like you're not it's from a state of maybe you or like depression. Maybe it's the wrong way to think about it but like 
that that even though it wasn't brought down and you might have lost the ability to gain higher, that that plus that that blessing still that Hashem didn't say you, that like you're. Do you, do you put your money into in, into a very you know into a bank account just have the uh, interest or do you invest it and maybe no, you can I lose? No, I understand, but I'm saying the aspect of maybe from a state of depression or or you know if, if you fail a test and you know that I don't know maybe there's a way to think about it that I mean, it's not the right way to think about it but that. That that you know, yes, you lost the ability maybe to go higher in a certain way, but that potential is still there. Maybe you can still bring it down in a different way. That there's not a, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I hear where you're going. I don't. I don't. Because again, this is you're trying to bring Brasov into Chabad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to keep it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's just keep going. I want to finish off this. Uh, <clears throat> I never heard this one. It's the first time. I've heard it. <laughs> We, and we, and I think the thing that everyone's bothered, we never learned, anyone who ever learned the Sudi never learned it this way. Where it's like a win-win. Hashem will either give you bountiful in Gashmi, or if you're not so you'll get it in Ruchni. He didn't say here. Let's be clear. You get X. He didn't say, he didn't say that you're every day you're going to, once you're your judge, you're going to get a million points of energy. And then each day, We'll see what comes down, but you might not get any of those million points saying today is going to be bad. How do you know? That's not, that's not what that, it's the words. That's why I, I know. I know how you're reading it, yeah. but you don't have to read it that way. I don't think that's how you read it. Every day, if you get a drop, that's going to decide where to go. First of all, how big is that drop? Maybe it's only, uh, I'm going to just speak in these terms. It's, an, it's a drop of an hour the day, but the 23 hours are not going to be so good. But that one hour of drop... It's either going to go to physical or it's going to stay in the, in the Olam Habo. Why are you learning it that every day is just going to be a bountiful block pressing? That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. I think you, <clears throat> what you said earlier is that actually you do need to be Zorcha to have that bracha. In other words, whether it be Gashmi over here or, or Rukhmi for that matter. But if it was bound for you to get it, it can remain in the Olam. In other words, it can remain in the word Zorcha for these days and remains in Shemaim, which means that at one point it's there for you that doesn't mean oh you had to eat oh, oh, the Muhammad had it, it's a portion that was going towards you does that mean from your actions or from what you were tested on in this world it's everyone has a whatever that means whatever that, how that deems it okay. but you're not zorcha here to get that which you're okay. supposed to for whatever reasons which he didn't get into obviously he didn't speak okay. about why he didn't but that's, why that's fine be to it. but it's, doesn't, it doesn't dissipate it doesn't like leave so therefore, if it goes, it goes Olam Haba, then how's your day going to be? Be a bad day. Because that day is of energy, of spiritual blessing, went to Olam Haba. Today's going to be... So, I don't think it's a kasha. Maybe I can help through the back door. So Rebbe's taught a long time ago, many times. Mia leva hava shem o mia kum kum yun kum kutsho, miki chapai, uvar nevav, asher lom nishbar lashav nashiv, right? So he says... You know, swore falsely by my name. So Rebbe said, "No, it's not. You can say swore falsely by my name." And I'm sorry, who didn't swear falsely by my name? But you can also uh, carry. You could carry, carry. So what do you say? I gave you the shama. This is a lifelong, but we can translate it into everyday. I think of what you're asking. So Kosh said, "I gave you the shama. It's a vessel. It's a cleat. I made an investment in you. All right." And at the end of your life, I want you to bring that investment, that that cleat, back to Mali Mitzvahs. 
So I'm taking that clear back no matter what. It's coming mm -hmm. to Gan Eden, to the Olam Haba, Al Olam Haba. It's going to do all these things. The question is, how are you returning this thing to me? So when we get the Nisayon today, that one clea, let's say it's the, it's the Nisayon of the <coughs> this one clea, today, this minute, did I send it back to a Kodesh Bohu, Olam HaEmes, right? Empty, the way he gave it to me? Or did I send it back to him with something in it? So my Shtadlus, my Avoda, the work that I'm doing, the Nisayon that I passed, sends it back. A, makes it a better day for me here today. And sends it back, you know, in the future when all the good things happen, sends it back fuller. So that way I'm Zohar both. Uh, let's hear no, it. I wish you would say here what he says. I wish you would say that. Let, let's, let, let me finish. <laughs> let, me, let me finish these paragraphs. Let me, let me finish. We'll discuss. Let's let me finish and then we can, we can hack it out. But I want to finish this point because. Okay. So we're talking about now, just to finish off two minutes, three minutes, <clears throat> we're talking about that there are situations in life or things in this world that are against, quote-unquote against, seemingly against God. That becomes the test of our emunah. Do we still hold on when bad things happen to good people? Page 85, left side, third paragraph down. Passing the test often requires Messir Snefesh, a complete devotion beyond rhyme and reason to God. Beyond understanding, it takes faith, emunah. Therefore, the test is arousing the most inner consciousness of man, the essence of his soul, which is rooted and deeply connected with the essence of God. This is how they're learning. In a, this is not just did you do Torah and mitzvahs. Like this, is, this is a deeper, this is from, the, from Hasidus. Are you revealing godliness in this world? When God tests you by obscuring himself in a very deep way, did you hold on with Amuna? Did you reveal God? Did you say, you know what? This is from Akadosh Baruch Hu. I trust in Him. I believe in Him. It's going to be okay. Or whatever, however you say it. Did you bring Him into the situation? Or did you not? That's how they're understanding the test. That's why we need Ishtadlis. Now let's just finish up because I want to just read the note fully. It is divine wisdom that demands this test. Because it is only He who truly understands why we need to overcome tests in order to achieve a great reward. God made it clear in numerous verses that he values the test. On the teaching regarding the purpose of creation that God desired a dwelling place in the lowest world, the Alter Rebbe of Shner Zalman of Liadi said, one does not ask questions about a desire. His intent was clearly not that God has desires in the, human sense that, in the sense that humans do, and we therefore can't question them. Rather, human desire is often irrational. You like chicken? You like chicken, right? Why do you like chicken? Why? Tell me why you like chicken. I don't know. I just do. You can't explain it. It's irrational. There's no explanation for it. A ruts and a real desire comes from much, much higher. You never thought about that question, did you? That's a, it's a big telling sign for the chocolate and vanilla people. Because <laughs> it comes from a different place. I'm not joking, actually. Rather, human desires often irrational with the person desiring something without being able to articulate the reason. He simply wants it. This shows that a desire is rooted in the innermost supra-rational consciousness of the person. So too, God's desire to create the physical world and make a dwelling place for Him reaches the most sublime and essential levels of God. Perhaps a place where the world level is not applicable, which cannot be comprehended by mortal man. Okay. Adkan, Vishlav, I read it fast, it doesn't matter, it's okay. But the question that I'm going to end off with 
that I think we have, we're going to wait till next week, obviously, to explain the third Mahalach. The Chavos Lovos went through Hishtadlis. Hishtadlis means picking up a spoon and putting it into your mouth. How does this answer that? Why do I need to put this spoon of chant into my mouth? This seems to be explaining tests, going to work, having financial issues, having uh, uh, health issues, big tests. But how does it explain my day-to-day life? Why does God make me, why is he testing me day-to-day, minute-to-minute in doing all acts of Ishtadlis? Every second is, is, is a shail of Geneva or Hava or Midos? No. So how, how do we understand the deeper part of the question? What shaykhis, why do we have to do Ishtadlis in all areas? Next week, we'll continue.